Toxic Culture, Season 2, Episode 3, Blake. Yes, sir, man. Yes, sir. This is exciting. This this episode, I know we feel like we've been working. We, this man, is our third uh, time in here in seven days, man. a lot been going on with Rock the Culture. Um, let's let's just, before we get into all the activity, let's, let's do what we do all the time. This Rock the Culture. I'm your host, Antoine Phillips. You can find me on Instagram, because it's Instagram season. Instagram season. IG. Uh, Check the stories. Right. Antoine Phillips on Instagram, and I'm with my... With my guy, my main co-host, my main man, my main person who take too many takes to do stuff right. Two take, three turn, your favorite representative, always repping. You can find me on Instagram at RepBlake36. And this is season two, and we're brought to you by C3, Culturally Connected Communications. Um, When I think about this weekend we had, Blake, uh, with all the things that's going on from the uh, Democratic Party, to yeah, obviously man. the day party yesterday at FAFSA Hall. You think about event planning, you think about digital marketing. And if that's what you need help in, if you want trying to take your brand to the next level of digital marketing and event planning, you need to holler at C3. Sure do, man. They, we uh, we had a, 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 a jam-packed full weekend that started on Thursday this right. week, man. And, and that's what I love. Long weekend, short weeks, right? Right. Um, as my boy DC says, every day's a Friday. And got to give a shout-out to the Connects, as always. Shout-out to Arkansas Times for co- continuing to have the platform to bring not only the pie, but then the bonus pie. I hope y'all checked out that bonus pie last week. Got to check out the bonus pie, man. I had a lot of fun, man. We we sat down and talked to the future first African-American woman to that's going to be a governor in United States history. And historic, man. Historic, There's no way. No, you're not selling it short. You can't oversell it other than say that was just a historic moment. Thank you, Stacey. Thank you, Stacey Abrams, man. I just found out that we were the only press she did in the whole state of Arkansas. Isn't that there, something? Man. Rock the Culture, Rock bro. Rock the Culture podcast. She came in, flew in, uh, talked to us, did a speech, and flew out, man. That's 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 a blessing. That's a blessing. That she, she understands the importance of the culture. Uh, so and I appreciate her team, and and I hope people are supporting, following her, uh, sending good vibes her way, because I, I I think she will be the first black female governor of America, and for her to sit down and give us a few minutes of her time is, you know, big for the culture and big for what we're doing here yeah. at Rock the Culture, man. Check her, check her book out. Check her book out. It's on Barnes & Noble. It's on, you can get it at uh, Amazon. Amazon. You can get it at Garbo's Place, uh, Pyramid right. Art Gallery. Man, check her check her book out. And uh, talking about what we're doing here, can't do what we're doing without your boy Grammy Cute Note on the IG. He rocking the culture with us all weekend. Keys to the city TV films on YouTube, man. He he's the vital third leg. He he he's a a brand ambassador for the culture, man. Yes, he is. Yes, he. I I I know you peeped the story. You yeah. saw the see our new merch. Yeah. Saw the t-shirts. The new merch, man. We we will be putting a. Putting the ad out, uh, real, real, real short, where you can get those shirts. And we had a lot of, a lot of uh, interest right. over the weekend with, with, with the new Rock the Culture shirts, man. Well, and two things, gotta give a shout out to, uh, to, to Graham McHugh, no, because he started doing it for the culture years ago. Years ago, for the culture. For the culture, he was doing shows and, and putting on for the culture, and we're taking what he started and, and, uh, and pushing it forward. 
The other thing you got to do with uh with Grammy Q, you know, if you are, you know, if you have a podcast, if you're doing some type of audio, holler, holler at us, and we'll make sure you can holler at Grammy Q, you know, so he can provide you with uh, good quality sound. Quality, quality is the key, uh, right? The, the same thing he's doing with us to rock the culture. So, Blake, let's get into the news, man. But... Um... Uh, Two take Blake over here being two take y'all. That's why I got had that pause in here because he get confused. Either. He ain't gonna be. He can cut it out, bro. <laughs> go we not cutting it out, bro. This unedited. <laughs> no, you over here being two take it out. <laughs> trying to have it multiple takes. Um, but before we get to the rundown, we got three things to talk to on your news, and then we got special guests. Man, we keep bringing in these brothers, brother. That's too smart. Yeah, got, smarter than us. Yeah, got Doctor Jonathan Gorey who's an anesthesiologist who works with UAMS. He's going to be with us today to talk about what's going on with the opioid epidemic in central Arkansas and the type of work he's doing to kind of uh, rectify that issue. But before we get that, man, we got to give a shout-out to the Young Bulls, man, because yesterday young Bulls, man, was crazy lit, bro. Day Party, Little Rock, Live LR, and and we uh, we had had a good time yesterday, man. Melvin, Darius, uh, Dre pick, man. Right. Appreciate y'all for for including us, man. Absolutely, man. Uh, we we the word got out that we're, this was gonna be the biggest day party in Little Rock history. Successful. Job done. I got the numbers last night. Job it, it done. Between eleven hundred and twelve hundred people were there last 1200 night. Twelve hundred people came to Fassler Hall, man. Fassler was... Hall for the day party, rocking the culture. We weren't prepared. Fassler Hall wasn't prepared. Man, it was beautiful. It was absolutely beautiful. At, at about 5 o'clock, I walked around the room, man. It was a board games and card games and Jenga on every single table. Right. It, it didn't matter what you looked like, how old you were, you were enjoying the vibe. Man. Right. Diverse, diverse crowd, people there enjoying it. We rocking the culture. Like you already mentioned, man, the culture merchandise was out. Yep. People merch. Ask, people asking about it. We going we working on the merch. So you, if you're a culture cohort, we'll have the, the avenue for you to take Place your order very, very soon. But it was just a great time. So appreciate everybody for coming out uh, and, and supporting us and supporting Live LR and Truck Please. And we're going to do it again, Blake. Yeah. The people want it. Hey, we listen up, man. Follow us. We'll we'll be having happy hours. We'll be partnering with with, with Day Party again come, coming in the fall, man. It's, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to yeah. be a lot of fun. So let's get into our news story, Blake. We got three news stories on the topic uh, on the agenda for today. First thing we're going to talk about is this Wild River Country Music, Wild River Country Country Music Night. <laughs> Got that double country in there. <laughs> Too much country. Too much, and that may have been the problem. <laughs> probably That's probably what we're going to get into. Uh, the second thing we're going to talk about is the Little Rock School District as it relates to their uh, school board and the um, upcoming millage election. Third thing we're going to talk about is a lawsuit that related to uh, – Tickets and fines, if you live in Little Rock, you may be getting some money back uh, based on this lawsuit that happened last week. So then after that, we'll have Dr. Jonathan Gorey. But first thing, Blake, Wild River Country, Country Music Night was supposed to happen, I think, last Saturday, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, But the culture shut it down. That's what I heard. That's what I heard. So let me give a little background in case y'all hadn't heard about this Wild River Country, Country Music Night. Wild River Country is going to have an adult night. Okay. At that park over in North Little Rock, and it was this time it was country music themed. That, that's how they was branding it. Who, so, so who's their target audience? Well, you that, you know who the target audience is. Say it. 
I mean, white people. Okay. okay. Ain't nothing wrong with saying white people. No. Ain't nothing wrong. I mean, you white, you white. I'm black, I'm black. Ain't yeah. nothing wrong with that. Okay. But obviously, the people who consume country music are more likely to be white. So, if you say you're going to have a country music night, you're basically saying that we're you're going to have a night for those people who listen to country music, uh, for the consumers of country music, which you're saying we're, we're having a white people adult night. Right. Okay. And that's in reaction to, you remember a couple years ago, there was an adult night with no, you know, genre of music uh, advertised. Yeah, yeah. And that guy looked too crazy. Not crazy like the day party crazy, but crazy like altercations, fights, uh, vandalism, people tearing down, jumping over fences. So it wasn't adult night. That's, you said, that's not adult behavior. Okay. Yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, so this time they come back with this country music thing party, and the way I understand it, social media does what social media does. Mm-hmm. People find out about it. There were some inquiries made to why we're a country. Say, hey, why is this called country music night? Are y'all trying to exclude black folks? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then social media went wild, and within a matter, I mean, I think less than a day, why we're a country not only shut down the event, but they had to take all references of the country music night off their social media. Wow. Because the comments was getting too crazy. So basically what, what as I understand what happened, someone makes this call, people start inquiring and say, you know, are y'all trying to intentionally exclude, exclude black folks from this adult night? And then people on social media is like, well, why not just call it an adult night? Adult night. So in the past, it's been called, a, we used to go, right. when, we were, when we thought we were grown, <laughs> to, a, to adult night. It hadn't been in Wild Country in a while. But we used to go when it, when it wasn't never called adult hip hop night, was it? No, or adult rap music night. No, it was always adult night. Right. So this time there was a theme, and according to the article, at least where Wildwood Country was intending to do, that's what they said they were going to do, is that they were going to have multiple adult nights with different themes. You know, we didn't hear about those other themes yet, though. But that, but all we heard about was country music. That's all we heard about was country mm-hmm. music. And according to our real country folks, they shut it down because they received threats about what was going to happen if they had this country music festival. I mean, not a festival, party at Wild Real Country. So will we know if those threats were legitimate? We don't know that. We don't know whether, you know, what are you considering a threat? If I just say it's me and all my, my dudes that went to McClellan, is that a threat? Is, is oh, yeah, we gonna show up. Yeah, we we, we gonna like be Garth there. Brooks too. Yeah, we gonna <laughs> we be there. Gonna be there. Bro, we, we will. Black people will be there. Is that a threat? Is that yeah, a threat? Yeah, maybe. Because uh, threats are subjective. You say all my exes live in Texas. That's like the only country I know, y'all. I know that one. That's. But I know that's George Strait. Because I got like that Taylor off. Swift. He I got like that off. Like no, Swift. no, that's from Drake. Drake said that. Um, he said all my exes live in Texas, like I'm George Strait. But I used to date a girl to go to Georgia State. So that, that's them, them bars from Drake. Uh, so the the other thing from this, Blake, that I want to point out, though, uh, that I saw our guy Jimmy Warren mention on Facebook about this while we're country uh-huh. night is that we got to be intentional about our organizing on how we do things, especially as, as a culture, especially as black people. Like, you see the power we have to essentially shut down an event, right? Just yes. based on social media. Absolutely, yeah. Why not harness that 
and let's do something productive. Let's let's engage folks on a different level because you you see what we can do. Yeah, you can, we we can engage and we can activate. Right. So let's I I understand exactly what you're saying. So let's activate for for a cause. Right. Yeah. Right. And you know what Jay Z said? What did he say, Twan? He said, "I'm so involved. I'm so evolved. I'm showing growth. I'm so in charge." Bars. And what that means is, is that once you get once you get involved in all these type of things, you gotta grow up with it. You just can't be like, oh, we about to we about to show them how what's really going what we really gonna do. You know what I'm saying? It can't be reactionary and revenge motivated. Let's look, let's use this energy, use our resources, use our collective power. That's a great point. And be involved, be evolved going forward. Hashtag one take thoughts. Um, and it's not even Tuesday. It's not Tuesday. <laughs> so you mean that means I got to get y'all new 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 content tomorrow. So you so you get to keep the cards to Tuesday. Bro, oh, here we go. You know, shout out to Everett Infinity uh, for allowing your boy One Take Twan to be a brand ambassador with the Infinity QX Five Zero. My mean, boy coming up. My hey, boy coming hey, up. You know. <laughs> you know. You know. Hey, I'm just out here just trying to. He, he was shot it all weekend, y'all. Well, hey, he what I saw it? about three or four times. <laughs> he, he just he had his hands on his head, man. This is nice. Hey, is hey, nice. what little little Duvall say, man? I'm out here living my best life. Smiles, <laughs> <laughs> smile. Well, CK say we got a friendly show. You get it, you get it, you get it. Your friendly show. If you if the culture know what we're talking about, I ain't about to argue with y'all. I'm out here living my best life. Shout out Infinity. Um, but anyway, so we're going to leave it there. But I did want to share that with the folks to encourage us to use our power in a different way uh, Real talk. Real going talk. forward. The next issue, Blake, I uh, want to talk about the Little Rock School District first um, and kind of get some thoughts and kind of recap people on, on what's going on because I think we done lost sight of our school district. Man. Lost, lost a little focus. Lost, right. Lost a little in, intentional uh, focus and, and, and making sure that, that, the, that the school district continues to have our, our attention. Right, yeah. right. So article came out this week, um, and Representative Blake knows this too well, because some legislation was passed, I guess a year ago, where it requires that school board elections be held either in May during the primary or in November during the general election yeah, and and uh, that was that was a a debate that, that was being had because in the past that sometimes they're happening in September, right? And so these standalone elections, elections where we already have enough problems trying to get people out in in May. Even you know we moved it up, you know that as confusing as that was two years ago. The, the primaries were in March, right? But it's when you have that those staggered elections, September, April, March. You know, it's we get enough problems trying to get people out in midterms that. You know, it, in some some of the school board elections, it'd be 300, 400 people voting. Right, and and so um, so you win in a race sixty to twenty six, and 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 it's costing your county to to print those ballots to to open those polls. So so the the race went on the 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 legislation went on to say that all of those races will be held either in May or in November when we already have having elections to to try to maximize our uh, our voting power. Right. So in that regard, so now we're getting ready for the November 2018 election. And now I think until August 8th is the time frame for people to announce that they're running for a school board seat based on where they live in whether you're in Little Rock, North Little Rock or or the county or in the county. Um, but, but there's a problem, right? There's a problem with that because in Little Rock, we don't have a school, school board. <laughs> so you can't run for a Little Rock school, school. board seat. So that's sad, man. It is sad. So you, this, got, you got seats on North Little Rock, right? Right. You got a couple seats, maybe one one seat on Pulaski County. Correct. They're where people are deciding 
the people that are going to choose their education policy, their standards, their procedures for their students, for their children, right. for all of our children going forward in Pulaski County, North Little Rock, but 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 the largest school district in the state doesn't doesn't have a board. No, well, you do not get to democratically elect the people who are going to run the, your schools if you live in a Little Rock school district. That's sad. And that's it's really sad, sad, and it's just a reminder. Cause I think we lost track of it because the district. Is continue. I mean, obviously, school's still happening. People getting ready for school. Tax-free weekend was this past weekend. So it's not like the schools are not being operated, but not with our Democratic voice. And the other thing to highlight about this to me, Blake, is that we will vote for the millage election in November for the Lower Rock School District. And for our culture cohorts who aren't familiar, the millage is related to your property tax, and that's how the school districts get their money. To One-way school district gets money to operate the district. So you will go vote on how much money you pay into the school district. But 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 not but you're not voting on who determines how you spend the money for right. that school district. Right. So you Here do get go to again. go vote about the taxation, yeah. but you don't get to vote about the representation. No, taxation with no representation. Man. In in, in that what this 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 country was built on that this country was literally built that on is that the principle. that's like the founding principle of America. And we're living in Little Rock where... Deja vu all over again. Yeah. So we wanted to... This kind of a reminder. I know a lot of people know about this, but we need... Like you say all the time, Blake, we continue to need to be vigilant about our school district and getting our local local control back to our board as soon as possible. You can't have more local politics than school board elections. So once again, man, what happens on your block affects you at City Hall. It affects you at the state capitol. Politics is local. Politics is life, man. Let's 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 stay engaged. Right, right. So we'll leave it there, Blake, and then get to our last story of the week, which uh, <laughs> when I read it, Blake, it kind of made me feel a certain type of way. I'm still confused, but I'm still trying to figure out what was happening. Right, okay, so give it background. This is our third story of the week. Um, if you received a speeding ticket, a parking ticket, or any kind of moving violation ticket, and you have to pay a fine in the city of Little Rock from 2011 to 2014, and you didn't pay the ticket right away, and you paid in installments, those installments have been ruled to be unconstitutional by a jury. Now, this could get appealed, meaning it could go up the ladder and go to the Supreme Court, but what happened, there was a trial. This lady, Miss LaDonna Nelson, who's the real MVP. Yes, she is. She the real MVP for fighting this fight. But what she decided is like, hey, I got this this speeding ticket, and they charged me a, a fine on top, I mean, a fee on top of me paying my fine, and that's not right. Because she said that, uh, you know how you go, if, if you go get a ticket and you can't pay it all right away, they'll set you up with an installment plan. Installment plan where you, where you can pay a little bit every month. Put right. a little bit on it. Put a, yeah, put a little bit on it, yeah. exactly. L- lay away your ticket. <laughs> <laughs> Let me lay that ticket away for a little while. Pay on it. So I don't, I don't get all, but let me put five on it. Uh, so if you putting five on it, right, instead of paying your whole bill, you was getting charged as installment fee. But what if you came up on some extra bread? And you're like, I'm, I'm going to pay it off. I'm going to pay it off. You know what? They still charge you the installment fee. So you had no benefit of paying up front because no. they don't charge you the installment fee anyway. Exactly. That's crazy. That, so they were taking that money even though you paid it off early and they weren't supposed to. So LaDonna Nelson filed a lawsuit against the city, say, hey, there's about 13,000 people just like me who paid their money early who shouldn't have. So you got, and and it went to, it it was a two-day trial, went to a jury. 
the jury first came back and said, LaDonna, you lose. But it was only seven people who voted in the jury. And to get a verdict, you have to have nine jurors to agree on a verdict, at okay. least nine. Okay. And so, I didn't know that. So you come back. There were seven of them. And you got to sign it. It's 12 signature lines. And only seven of them signed it. They turn it into the judge. Judge said, hey, this is not a valid verdict. You got to go back and re-deliberate. So they go back. They think about it some more. They come back, and then they completely flip the script. Eleven of them decided that Miss Nelson, LaDonna Nelson, should win and that the city, by imposing this fine, was wrong. So the way it stands now, the city's going to have to pay restitution to over 13,000 people for overpayment mm -hmm. uh, of fines that you paid if you paid a fine from 2011 to 2014. Now, so if you're in Little Rock and you you know you you know you was going what's 55 in a 40, what's the likelihood of, of of people getting restitution though? Is it gonna be like reparations? No, I ain't gonna be. No, this no. You think, you think people? No, nah, people. You think they? Yes, people okay. will get their restitution. Now it won't. It may not be a big amount. Now it depends on how many tickets you have. Now if you didn't mess around and got <laughs> you know seven eight tickets. In 2013, like yeah, you might end up with a stack. You know what I'm saying? Like, man, God is good. Look at God, right on time. Ain't he good? <laughs> Ain't he good? He's an on time God. Um, so I want I want people to be aware of that the, they hadn't decided the amount. So that's gonna take some work from the city and the judge to decide the amount that is owed to people. Okay, and who those 13,000 people are. Uh, between 2011 and 2014. So that's part of, that's the next step in the process. But wanted people to be aware that, you know, there was a situation going on taking advantage of us and paying too much money uh, to our city government, and we shouldn't have been, and they're going to uh, refund that to folks. So y'all be on the lookout for that. Uh, Look at you, LaDonna, MV LaDonna MVP Nelson. Yeah, she did. Well, Kate, that's what Kevin Durant saying. You the real MVP. You the real MVP. So... I, I think it was a, a great story, definitely something that we, we wanted to share. Uh, I'm going to have to go back and look because I'm pretty sure between 2011 and 2014, I got a ticket. I'm pretty sure. I'm going to have to check the records. Uh, so I may come up on a little something myself. Anyway, we're going to leave it there with the news and transition to our uh, special guest that's in the building with us today, Dr. Jonathan. Is it Gory? It's Gory. Gory. You got it. You got it. Gory. Man, we keep bringing these brothers in here with all these credentials and making me feel bad. And then he come in here, he got on a nice suit, y'all. Boy, gotta, it's tailored and everything. Bro, come in here looking good. You got to dress for something you feel is important. Uh, okay, but hey. I, I, I appreciate what y'all are doing for the culture. So man, it's I, important, so I dressed up. Nah, I appreciate you. I appreciate you. Euro cut and everything. Come in with the tailored slim. I'm like, man, we want to go change. <laughs> But but anyway, uh, y'all heard him chiming in. Um, Want to thank you first of all for joining us on Rock the Culture, uh, and got your information from a mutual friend friend of ours, uh, Doctor Chris Jones. Make sure you put respect on his name because he real emotional. All respect. Yeah, <laughs> about him. But um, before we, I want to get into definitely the opioid issues and the pain management things you're doing. But I want people to kind of understand a little bit of background on, on who you are uh, and then, you know, just just a little bit about, you know, why did you decide to go into pain management and anesthesiology? Sure. So uh, 
grew up in Little Rock, so moved here when I was 12, actually from Memphis, South Memphis, got to represent. South Memphis, like Orange Mound? Not, not quite Orange Oh. Mound. <laughs> not, not quite Orange Mound. So. <laughs> White Haven, for those okay, of you who okay, know White Haven. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, moved to Little Rock when I was 13, uh, went to Catholic High School, so got to represent yeah, Catholic High. Yeah, okay. Uh, college in St. Louis, medical school residency in New York City, uh, did some pain so training. So when you say New Atlanta. York City, does that mean like... Like New York City, New York City? New, New York City, New York Not City. what school, Manhattan. though? This is how they do it when they go to the, the, the big school. They just tell you what town they yeah. in. What school is it? I went to Cornell. Okay, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, that's what you... When you go to... You don't even say your school name. You just say, I, I went to school in Boston. <laughs> so you mean Harvard? Oh, yeah, yeah, Harvard. Yeah. What school in New York City? Cornell. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Iowa. They don't, no, they don't, they don't work for Iowa. <laughs> you got to say your school name if you went to Iowa. <laughs> Anyway, keep going. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So Cornell Medical School uh, decided, didn't really know what kind of physician I wanted to be. Uh, then I got exposed to anesthesia, and it was life-changing for me. So I, the way I explain it, most people, when they think about anesthesiology, they think of putting people to sleep for surgery. But if you think about it, if I laid someone on this table here and I tried to cut out their gallbladder, they probably wouldn't make it. So we don't just put people to sleep for surgery. We take away your pain. We take away your anxiety. We, we take away your memory of the surgery. And we also make sure that you make it through the procedure. So we're giving you medications. We're giving you blood. We're giving you whatever you need to make it through mm. the operation. So I, when I was exposed to it, I thought that was a miracle of medicine, and I wanted to be a part of it. That's amazing. That's amazing. Um, so you, you, you take that that love, and I understand now you work at the UAMS Pain Management Clinic? Correct. So I, I decided to take one kind of facet of uh, anesthesia, which is treating pain, right? and decided to really dedicate my career towards that. So did an extra year of training at Emory in Atlanta, and then moved back here to start the uh, Interventional Pain Division for the Department of Anesthesiology. So I kind of see myself as having three roles there. One is to provide care. So I think we provide excellent chronic pain care for the people of Arkansas. Mm -hmm. But the other two roles are important, uh, to educate. And so we're all three of the physicians in my division are all professors at the university. So we're educating the physicians of tomorrow about the opioid epidemic and about... So, so you're not only Dr. Gorey, you Professor Gorey. I guess you could say that. <laughs> she could say that. <laughs> Teach. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, you know, teaching them about opioid sparing techniques to treat chronic pain and also teaching the doctors of today because the paradigm has shifted in the past 20 years and we need to change the way that we see pain, change the way we treat pain and then to inform. So then to uh, we are a part of a number of research initiatives in our division looking at uh, how to improve care in, in Arkansas and also improving care nationally. So a part of a few national research initiatives to, to bring new treatments to our patients. So before we get into like what's the, the kind of dark cloud that's all over the country as it relates to the opioid epidemic, when you talk about the pain management clinic, what, obviously when what type of people come to the pain management clinic? I know you can't give names and stuff, sure, but sure. who, what type of person would show up and say, I, I need your services? So, so we really specialize in complex chronic pain. So people who have had chronic pain for weeks, months, years, who have gone to other physicians, and those physicians have basically said, there's nothing I can really do for you. 
and you need to go to someone who can manage your symptoms. The issue we've gotten into, which I'm sure we're going to talk about a little bit later, yep. is that the response to that has just been medication yep. in the past, for the past 20 years. And what we do zero, is we... Zero pain tolerance. Zero pain right? tolerance, yeah. right. Medication to get to zero pain tolerance, yeah. exactly. And what we're trying to do is sit down and create a treatment plan using a number of different modalities, being alternate medications, physical therapy, injections, some kind of cutting-age procedures that involve uh, removing uh, nerve fibers to areas where people hurt, using uh, you know, electric technology to try to prevent the signal from getting to the brain, et cetera, to, to treat chronic pain. So anyone who, who has chronic pain can come see us. And uh, so... And I, I guess we're leading into the to the discussion here. So a lot of those people have been prescribed, probably been on opioids or some type of zero tolerance pain for a while. And it, it that does that become addictive? Right. And I'm yes. Want so, you to be the? I'm not the doctor, I, I, so I'm asking the question. I'm asking you to tell me if I'm right or wrong. You're you're in my wheelhouse. So <laughs> he I thinks can, he's a doctor. I, I can talk about well, this technically, all day. technically, I'm gonna take a little. Uh, I'm a gonna pause. Doctorate don't count. Yes, man. pause for the cause. <laughs> I do have a juris doctorate, so I am a doctor of the law, but I don't get the same type of respect my boy Dr. John Gorey get. But that's a whole different. I can get on that soapbox another day. But you're technically, I am a doctor. My wife is also a juris doctor, so I, I'll give you that respect. Exactly. Doctor Thank you. Thank you. And shout out to your Stop wife. Stop gassing him, doc. Don't gas him, doc. <laughs> But anyway, so the opioid, this pain medication becomes addictive. Right. And then, as I understand it, you kind of, it loses its effect to some degree and kind of wears off. And, and, and now it leads to someone coming to see you or being, or chasing a new drug to, to help with this new pain. pain. Yeah. So, you know, if, the one way I think about it, I think about chronic pain is I almost think of chronic pain as a completely different disease than acute pain. Okay. So if... And chronic is long-term long pain. Long-term pain. Acute correct. pain is something that happens... Something that's short. Yeah. Right. So if if you picked up a 20-pound weight and did a curl, you know, your body would respond to you doing that curl. And, you you know, you may be able to do it okay. You may not, you know... You know, I do that. Much, I do that weight, pretty okay. I usually get about lift, 35 you know, pounds, 40 pounds when I'm doing d- my curls. Depends on, you know, how often you do them. <laughs> but let's say, let's say we said 50 pounds. Okay. That's something that someone may not be able to right. do. Mm-hmm. So if you, Blake can't do 50 pounds. Yeah, I knew it was coming. <laughs> we coming. can use Blake as an example. He can't use the 50 pound right. curls. We'll, 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 we'll do that. <laughs> so uh, if you did that 50 pound curl for a year, the way your arm and your body and your mind would respond to doing that curl would be completely different. So I think of pain the same way. If you slammed your hand in this door, you would have a response to that pain. But if you did that every day for 365 days, every hour of every day, your mind, your body, your nerves, everything would respond completely differently to that painful stimulus than it would the first time. Does that mean it's less painful? It, it means that you process it different. So okay. it's often not less painful. It actually ends up being more painful because you become sen- you know, desensitized to pain. So you okay. actually sensitize to pain. So you actually, uh, your nerves get, in the same way that it becomes easier to lift that weight, it becomes easier for you to transmit those pain signals oh, to the brain. Oh, okay. I'm with you. So the, on a molecular level, 
the way that you send that signal to the brain is different. The way your brain responds to it is different. Your psychology is different. So everything about you and the way you respond to pain is different. And so we know that opioids work well for short-term acute pain. If you have surgery, opioids work. But we now know, and we originally thought that opioids were safe, effective, and had low side effects. We now know that for long-term pain, we know they're not effective because we know we have this new research showing the difference in chronic pain and how chronic pain is different from acute. We know that they're not safe because they're causing people to be addicted. And so, uh, you know, if you, and we know that the side effects are also not safe because people are dying. So if you look at the statistics in the state of Arkansas, we have 114 prescriptions for every 100 patients in the state. That's, that doesn't sound like a good ratio, Doc. That's, isn't, that, isn't that one of the highest in the country? So we're, we're second in the country right now. Um, so to be clear for the culture cohort, so in Arkansas, we, in all the 50 states, we prescribe opioid medication. Per the, capita. Per capita. Second most. The second most. Uh, and some of that's because other states have decreased their prescribing, and we've gone up because we haven't done as much to decrease it. Uh, but some of it is because we, we just overprescribe, and it's a culture thing. It's a culture of medical education. If you take that, those statistics out nationally, if you look at someone in 2000, or if you look at the year 2000 compared to the year 2016, opioid medications like hydrocodone, oxycodone, uh, morphine, et cetera, there are five times as many overdoses now as there was in the year 2000. So that's an issue. Mm-hmm. But then, Is that an issue, and, and I'm maybe asking a question that's too theoretical, is that because people are getting so desensitized to the medication that they're taking more of it to get the effect that they used to get on a smaller doses? I think that's part of it. Uh, but, But it's interesting, since 2011, we've, as a nation, we've decreased our opioid prescribing, but deaths have still increased. So the other interesting fact is if you look at heroin, in the past probably about seven years. So since 2011, we've started going down on prescribing. Heroin deaths are seven times higher than they were seven to eight years ago. And then if you look at medicines like alfentanil, fentanyl, carfentanil, which are synthetic opioid medications that could be made in a lab that are often sold on the black market, deaths from those medications are about 10 times higher than they were about 10 years ago. So like fentanyl, so so those drugs are, would they be stronger than yeah. the so they're stronger and more deadly. So they're stronger, more potent on the street. So someone who may be using heroin may transition to fentanyl, carfentanil, alfentanil because it's cheaper. Or their dealer might switch it up on them because it's cheaper. And then the it, there's causes a higher overdose because they're not used to dosing those medications. So this is crazy. So the fentanyl is stronger than heroin? Yes. 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 So fentanyl is a medicine that's that's used on the market. Right. We actually use it in the operating room to control severe pain. Mm-hmm. So when people are cut open, having surgery, we use fentanyl. But in untrained hands, it can be a very dangerous drug because it's more potent yeah. than heroin. So I, I think everything you have just mentioned to us, Doc, is kind of the overview of the opioid ep- epidemic, right? Is that fair? That's fair. That's fair. Uh, and I understand that what you're doing at UAMS with partnership with our governor is trying to take actions to, to reverse the the, tr- the trend, those statistics that you talked about. So, what are some of the things y'all are doing so to, to reverse that? So, so one thing I want to throw in before I talk about that okay, real quick okay. 
is that so if you look historically at our country and how we treat drug epidemics. So you go back and you look at the 80s and 90s and look at the crack epidemic, I, for example. I watched New Jack City Friday night. That was good uh, research for this right. pod. That's what, that, that was I good. didn't even know I was researching. You were researching. There you go. <laughs> so if you take addiction and you try to treat it with prohibition and policing, which is what we do. So when you look at the crack, crack epidemic, we tried to stop access, say no to drugs, get it out of people's hands, and then when you had it, we put you in jail. That's some of what we're doing now. We're treating addiction with policing and prohibition. Then you really just cause destruction and death. And that's what happened in a lot of... I, I hear you, brother. You said pro, prohibition and policing, destruction and death. You a preacher? Yeah, I like alliteration. <laughs> I do have the suit. <laughs> but it's, you know, we went through the same thing in the 80s and 90s. Right, and it right. destroyed certain communities in our nation. Right. So... Now we have a situation where we're doing the exact same thing. We're causing prohibition. So since 2011, opioid prescribing has gone down. And we're starting to lock people up who have it. We're starting to lock up people with heroin, et cetera. But we're not treating the underlying causes of their disease. So if you look at someone who's on chronic prescription pain medication, they probably have some type of chronic pain that they were prescribed that medication for. They probably have some sort of addiction if they've been on it long enough. And then oftentimes people who become addicted to a substance are treating some sort of psychological pain or they're trying to escape from something. Right. And if you're addicted to something, then you often love that drug more than you love yourself. And so the consequences of prohibition and policing are something that someone who's addicted is not really going to care about. And until you gotta we, do what you gotta do, you gotta do what you gotta do to get yeah, your drug. Right. And so until we start to add treatment to this, and we can discuss whether prohibition and policing can be a part of it, and that's more of a political discussion. But from the physician standpoint, until we add treatments, which include treatment for addiction and treatment for chronic pain, because these people still hurt, and so it's hard to tell them to stop taking these medications when they still hurt. And when we take them away or we kick them out of a clinic and say, you're addicted, don't see it, you can't see me anymore, and they go get treated by their dealer, somebody has to treat their chronic pain. So without those two arms, I don't think we can really get anywhere. And that's right. what we're working on. Okay, okay. Um, and you mentioned how we treated it differently in the 80s. And now it seems like, I mean, you hear a lot of podcasts, TV shows, talk shows, articles written that when it was a crack epidemic, it was all. It was more punitive, yep. and now I think people's eyes are opening up, and we're trying to do more kind of like what you mentioned, kind of restorative, get to the root issue. Um, we're starting to add more of a treatment arm to it yeah. now, but I still don't think we're close to where we need to be. So, what exactly are you, at, at the so, pain clinic? What are y'all doing in that regard? So, a few things. Uh, one that we're doing on the physician education side is I'm a part of a group called AR Impact, Arkansans Improving Pain Care and Treatment. Uh, it's a group that meets every week, Wednesdays at noon. We actually do a live televideo conference. Uh, it's at arimpact.uams.edu to join. Anyone can join in completely free. If you're a healthcare professional, you get free continuing education credit for being a part of the discussion. 
Uh, it's a group of seven experts, uh, psychologists, a psychiatrist, a pharmacist, uh, a pain management specialist, physical therapist, and geriatrician. And we give about a 10 or 15 minute education portion where we discuss a hot topic in the chronic pain world. Then we have about a 15 minute discussion with the panel and with the audience. And then the last 20 minutes, I think is really vital. It's a case discussion. So any physician, any healthcare worker who's dealing with a patient who has an issue with a clinic or with a group that they are just, they just don't know where to turn. They don't know what, what resources are out there. They don't know what procedures or what, or what treatment can be out there for a patient. Then, you know, off, of course, respecting patient confidentiality, right. but they can come on and discuss it with us, discuss it with the entire group, and work together to provide better care. So this teleconference, so if you are someone who has an issue with opioid addiction or if you know a family member who is, they can join into this teleconference and, and be educated. Yes, so you can join in. Anyone can join in. Like I said, ARMPACT at uh, .uams.edu is the website. You just sign up and then you're on. We're on every every Wednesday at noon. Uh, it's more. It's kind of targeted toward the healthcare professional, but I think that anyone who wants to get a basic education on the opioid epidemic and what alternative treatments are out there, uh, please sign on and join. It, us. it sounds like something. If you care about this issue, or a family member, or someone who cares about it. If nothing else, I get enough information so when I go to my doctor, exactly. If they don't know, say, man, you need to. We need to be trying something different. Yes. There's a different way to handle this. Patients have to be their biggest advocate. And I say that all the time. When you go to the doctor and the doctor spends five minutes with you and says, take this pill, that pill may not always be the answer, and that's with any disease. If you look at hypertension, high blood pressure, which is hypertension is the big word, right. high blood pressure. Right. So if you look at high blood pressure, if you go to the doctor, the doctor may say, take this pill, get rid of your high blood pressure. But there's other alternatives. It could be losing weight. It could be changing your diet. It could be becoming more active. It could be just reducing your salt intake. And so being so able you can't, to... you can't go eat a bunch of pork rinds. You can eat one. <laughs> one pork rind? One pork rind. Shout, shout out to but, one of our culture cohort who had them pork rinds yesterday at Fassler Hall. But you got you to chase it with a salad. Oh, but, chase it with, but oh. with, with a vinaigrette, though. Oh, vinaigrette. Yeah, don't no use ranch. No ranch. No ranch. ranch what, about, what about that raspberry vinaigrette? Ra that's cool. Oh, that's, that's cool. cool. Just, okay. just keep that mayonnaise out of it. Yeah, yeah. No, hey, hey, that's the culture. We don't do no mayonnaise. <laughs> Fair point. Fair point. But having a decent amount of health literacy and being your own advocate is very important. And working with your physician and finding, because oftentimes, and it's one of the things I learned in medical school is, there's not always just a, a straight answer to every medical right. question. If you go talk to 10 physicians, you may get 10 different answers. So having a risk-benefit discussion and talking about all the options and which one is the best for you, which you would do with an attorney, which you would do with a financial advisor, right. I think is the way that people should see their interactions with their physician. And, and I guess another part of that is the not only the communication interaction with your physician, but the disclosure, because your physician physician only knows what you're sharing. So if you're not bringing all that to the table, then that may they your physician may have limited information on what to prescribe you. Got to be honest with your right. physician. Absolutely. You don't want to hide anything. You never know what medicines may mix with whatever medication or non-medication or street drug you're taking. So you want to be honest because that person is really in your corner. And, there's, and there are laws that protect patient and physician confidentiality. So just be honest, you know, it, it's in your benefit at all times. 
Well, Dr. Uh, Jonathan Gore, we appreciate you taking some time. We know you're a busy man. Uh, Never too busy for the culture. Hey, see, look. Thank, thank you guys for having me. Bro, that's a great tagline. Never too busy for the culture. That may be the title of the episode. I appreciate it. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. I appreciate what you guys do for us, keeping us informed. You know, I, I've, I've become a fan of the pod, so thank you very much. Well, you, you're a fan and you're a friend, and we appreciate you and appreciate what you're doing for the community. Uh because I know that I'm a person or two removed from someone who is, you know, have some issues with opioid yeah, and, and yeah. pain medication. And we all are. Yeah. So to know that there's resources out there and people are thinking about this, and physicians, not just people, people with the training to treat you and help you uh, or help someone that you care about overcome these situations is, is important and powerful. So we really appreciate you and throw what you're in doing. one last thing. Oh, absolutely. No, you, you're good. I just wanted to say, you know, if, if you have anyone – in that situation where you know someone who's having an issue with opioids, say something. Uh, when I see patients who come in for any number of issues, but I think they're having an issue with opioids, that opioid addiction is the thing that could kill them. Those other things are things that could make their quality of life better, which I think is important, but saving their life is more important to me. So say something. Also, uh, Jerome Adams, our Surgeon General, has been pushing uh, uh, access to naloxone. Naloxone is the reversal agent for opioids. So if you have someone in your home who's on opioids, chronic opioids, keep some naloxone in the house. You can get it at any pharmacy. That's 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 Narcan. Narcan, right? correct. That's the that's the trade name for it. Narcan, naloxone. You can get it at any pharmacy without a prescription in the state of Arkansas. There was that story a few months ago where a student at Central had some Narcan on him and was able to save someone's life who had overdosed in the bathroom. Right, yeah, so I remember that. Just, I think, greater access to that. Having that, if you have an opioid, you should have Narcan around so that you can reverse the effects. That's that's great information for the culture. And, and what we're, as you understand, because you say you're uh, listening and a fan of the pod, is we want to be entertaining, we want to be engaging, but we want to be informative. And what you mentioned, because I do remember that story, and I'm like, how amazing that some kid just so happened to have whatever and I didn't know what it was whatever was needed at the time to save someone's life but and it, and it also talks talks to the um how severe this 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 problem is in our state that 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 student was aware enough to have a to, to have narcan on them you know that 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 says that that we understand that there's a problem and then that those those people who are like dr gory who, who are working for uh to to reverse those those issues are are, are being affected. Correct, because sometimes getting to the emergency room there isn't enough time. Well, we we appreciate you, Doctor Gory, for being with us and, and, and rocking the culture. Uh, it, it it was a it was a privilege and a pleasure to to speak with a man that was so smart. I, I you know I like being around smart people, but then I that's why you hang around me. No, that's why I just yes, about to this say. is why you hang around me. I said, but I'm always <laughs> end up with Blake. <laughs> That's why I got to invite these doctors on the show so I can get around some people with some with some smarts. Brother, I enrich your life. <laughs> um, the the last thing we want to do is give two two shout outs for next week. Next week pod, we're gonna have Catherine 
Tucker, Tucker uh-huh. with the Arkansas Cinema Society. She's going to talk about the film festival that's coming up at the end of August and going to talk about the Rock the Culture Arkansas Cinema Society Happy Hour. VIP Happy Hour. VIP only. We're going to release the details next week, but y'all stay tuned on how you can get your VIP ticket. Rocking the Culture at the Cinema Society. Man, that's we bring it all. See, that's the thing about the coach. You got to be able to go to a day Black party. Black River Market. You got to be able to go to a day party on Sunday. Yeah, yeah. You got to be able to talk opioid issues with Dr. Jonathan Gore on Monday on Monday and then you got to be able to go to a, a VIP reception with film and di- film directors and actors and actresses after you visited with the future first black female governor in, in United States history you got to be able to do that that's the culture bro that's the culture you we got to be able to do both yep all encompassing yeah so we're, that's going to be next week so y'all stay tuned to that another thing we want to shout out is uh man, we got a lot of friends. I know you got a lot of supporters from the fire department. The flame, yeah, yeah. the flame and, and the local union, man. We're we're great, man. And and they they're they're doing something big for for back to school. Right, and they having a back to school event. It's a book bag and supply giveaway. It's gonna be at the Southwest Community Center down on Baseline Road. Okay. It's gonna be on August the eleventh, starting at ten AM. So if you want to be participate, if you need or you know someone who needs uh, school supplies, backpacks, holler at them and go support the flame. Uh, we will post their ad on our social media, and you can always find Rock the Culture on Facebook at Rock the Culture, IG at Rock the Culture, Twitter at Rock the Culture, and. I'm your host, Antoine Phillips. You can find me on Instagram at Antoine Phillips. And my main man, my co-host. Your favorite representative, always repping. You can find me on uh, Instagram at RepBlake36. I want to give one more shout-out to Another shout-out? One more. If you got to wrap it up to, to uh, say what's up to, to my boy Tweet over at Skills and Drills. Man, I heard they had a great basketball camp oh, last you, week, man. I can't believe and I forgot about it. That's the culture, man. Make, making sure that he's taking care of our kids. Uh, getting them, getting them prepared. We talked about Little Rock being a, a, a hotbed for basketball talent, skills, and drills. We'll be able to to help your kid get to the next level. So, what's up, Tweet? And if you saw me repping the culture yesterday at the day part, I had on that repping hat. Yes, you did. Yeah, which is collab with a collab with him and his crew with that that repping brand. Uh, so yeah, definitely shout out to them. Shout out to everybody rocking the culture, man. That's the beautiful thing about the pod. There are so many people doing so many things to benefit our community that we need to uplift and share their stories, share their voices, share their opinions. And I'm glad we had the platform to do so. And we appreciate y'all rocking the culture with us. And we'll see y'all next week.